Time for our weekly visit with Dr. Wes Crenshaw. You can check him out online, dr-west.com. Dr. Wes, here we are coming towards the end of the pandemic, and we're certainly not out of the concerns that individuals are dealing with, the long-term effects. And I'm sure it makes for interesting times for family psychologists like yourself. Dr. West, what are the long-term effects that you're seeing so far? Uh, it, the, the COVID era is just the gift that keeps on giving, and uh, I would like to give it back like an, a white elephant gift. Uh, there's recent research, JAMA, uh, on what they call the JAMA Open Network uh, publication, which is kind of a faster distribution model for them. Um, we're studying depression rates, and they found that they've tripled during the COVID era. Now, of course, all data, you have to remember, Tyler, is old because you, you survey somebody in December of last year, and by now it's old data, but it shows a trend, and you and I have been talking about this forever, and these are the numbers that support what we've been concerned about on this show and as psychologists. The, the, the rate of, uh, typically the rate of depression in the general population is set at about 8.5%, and according to this article, that number rose during their survey last late last year, to 27.8%. And sometimes I'm a skeptic of statistics when I see things like this. Um, this just absolutely fits what we're seeing uh, in our office and offices all over the country where I spend a good percentage of my day writing emails. People submit their forms online. I respond to each one. And I spent my whole morning telling people we, we don't have space to see you. Not a very fun job. Um, there's also an indication that 42%, this is from CDC, 42% of Americans are experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression during that era. And from their study, that typically, that's about 11% from their numbers. So no matter how you slice it, two separate studies, three to four times increase in these mental health concerns during COVID. So where do we go from here then? We are, uh, stay tuned, <laughs> we're trying to figure that out. It, it does, in one sense, people are feeling hopeful, um, but in another sense, people are experiencing a kind of, uh, kind of a post-traumatic stress experience. We associate that concept with having a, you know, going to war or uh, being assaulted. Uh, or being in some sort of violent situation. But we, have, we know a lot about traumatic stress now. We understand that other low-grade circumstances can occur over and over again. And we call this complex post-traumatic stress disorder being studied a lot more. And people have just had so many negative experiences. Certainly uh, many families, there's nearly 600,000 people that have died from this. Many families have had a... a direct connection to those deaths. Other people have been very ill. They have family members who just haven't recovered. I see a, one or two people every week, some of them, you know, your age, Tyler, who are struggling to recover from this, whether it's fatigue or, or breathing or just an overall sense of well-being, trying to separate what's physical from what is the psychological impact is very tricky. 
So all of this comes together and makes people feel uh, like a traumatic reaction to this. And we're going to have to probably help people uh, much as we would uh, war fighters coming back. Are you seeing in the statistics and the people you've talked to, does it have anything to do with who's financially wealthy and who's better off on that front? Is there a financial gap of sorts between those that are very depressed and those that are not? Yeah, absolutely. The research is giving us the not surprising conclusion that where mental health is concerned, uh, wealth and privilege improve your chances of uh, how you get through the process. It, it is uh, easier to spend money to distance yourself, whether literally distance yourself or figuratively distance yourself from the, uh, the experience of COVID. You can, go on a, you, know, you can go on an isolated trip. You can uh, uh, pay to have people do your bidding and not have to go out and do it yourself. You can have people that work for you to solve a bunch of problems so you can be distant. And you can pay for therapists. Um, it, in fairness to the insurance companies, who I usually complain a lot about, they have actually done a, a really good job this year of supporting people on telehealth. That's all kind of coming to an end now. But for a long time, many of our sessions were done on telehealth. For people who have health insurance, who can afford that, and I mean good health insurance, not some of the very high deductible poor policies we see, those people have been able to access both talk therapy and uh, medication management in ways that uh, folks living in poverty just can't. And it's gonna, I'm afraid that's gonna really increase inequity in our society. Dr. Wes Crenshaw, John, I guess here on Local News Live. Dr. West, seems like that there's still a crowd of folks that even if they've been vaccinated, if their whole family has been vaccinated, they're still not ready to return to normal of some sorts here. That to me is bizarre. Like, I'm very comfortable. I'm ready to roll, living life back to the fullest of sorts. Seems like not everybody's quite there yet. Some folks are still going to ease into this thing for quite some time. Part of that PTSD of sorts. Yeah, I can give you a hundred examples. Some of the most interesting are, uh, high school kids who I thought were going to be the daredevils in this whole process. And uh, some of them still come in. I am vaccinated, have been since January. I have a ventilation system in my office. We sit 12 and a half feet apart. I have a fan in the room that turns the air and zooms it out the window. And most adults are so th just so thankful. They're just glad to be in here without their mask. <laughs> And they, they just are thankful for this environment. And a lot of the kids will not take off their masks. And one of the reasons I think, I, I see a lot of teenage girls, which is a unique population. And some of them, I think, have come to like the concealment of this over their face. But others are just scared. Uh, and we're still trying to sort out which of these it may be. This was the same thing with cameras on online school. Teenage girls wouldn't turn their cameras on. They didn't want to be seen. They didn't want to see themselves. So some interesting body images issues are coming out. But uh, some of that's fear. Um, there are still people outdoors wearing masks, which I think was not good messaging. I don't think it ever was good messaging. I think it made people angry that didn't want to wear masks. And it made people who did misunderstand 
what's unsafe, uh, where, where they need to be careful. And so I think there are going to be people having a hard time uh, exiting this. And I don't know, I, I, this sounds terribly apocalyptic. For some folks, I don't think they're going to get over some of this. I think it's going to be years of them uh, trying to get to feel some sense of safety again. Uh, and we're all going to be helping them deal with that. We're still trying to develop a technology to do that. How much of the mass wearing, the continued mass wearing, do you think is politically driven? It seems like the mask has become a symbol to the left wing in the same sense what the MAGA hat is to the right wing almost. Yeah, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting analogy. I, you know, that may play a role. I, what I see, and I live in a you know, pretty liberal college town, what I see is more pro protest of masks uh, as a political statement, but I think you make an interesting point there. Um, I, I don't know amongst the non-anxious liberals that that's gonna continue very long. I am so glad to be done with a mask when I don't have to be in one, but I also am aware that I am much, uh, you and I as vaccinated people are actually risky to other people, the unvaccinated people. They're not really risky to us. The vaccine is being proven very effective against not only the main form of COVID we've known last year, but the many variants. And even, but we may get it. You and I might still get it. And we might not know we have it, what we've referred to as silent carriers. And so the psychology of this has to be you and I are protecting others if we wear our masks that are not vaccinated. Well, as you know, the people who aren't getting vaccinated also are the ones that don't want to wear masks. And so we're in an odd situation socially where we're the only really good reason for you and I to wear a mask is to protect the people that don't want to protect themselves. And some of us, I certainly am not as excited about that as I ought to be. <laughs> I feel like people have to take some personal responsibility, but I continue to wear my mask where I am uh, in uh, proximity to others, and I'm glad to be done with it when I'm not. It's not a political statement to me. It's a piece of personal safety gear, just like when I'm sanding lumber, I wear a mask. I'm going to wear a mask to keep other people out of trouble, and I might feel resentful about it, but I'm going to probably do it. Right. I'll wear a mask when I'm required to wear a mask, but otherwise, if I don't have to, I won't. Uh, simple as that. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that's where everyone's headed, yeah. Right. I mean, if, if you make me do it, then I will. Just like, you know, I'll be an obedient citizen as I should be, you know, on that front, you know, do what's what's best for those involved here. Stadiums are going back to 100% capacity where you're close to you. Kansas City Royals are doing that. At the end of this month, we've seen the Boston Red Sox, a lot of different venues getting back to normal of some sorts. And what we've seen so far is on the sports realm of things, Dr. West, that these stadiums that have gone to 100% capacity, like the Texas Rangers, among others, have not seen these big COVID outbreaks either. The state of Texas isn't reporting hardly any COVID deaths themselves, and the state's been open up for quite some time here. Um, it, it seems like that the numbers show that it's pretty safe to go ahead and go to the ballpark and enjoy cold beer and watch your favorite team play right now. 
Well, we always remember, and I like to remind people, I'm not an epidemiologist, but I do study these things from a statistical standpoint, and I do have a lot of training in that area of research and statistics. And, you know, you're right. And this was true during the protest uh, that really people who were outdoors um, in the protests wearing masks and close together, there was just no spread of the virus. And increasingly, being outdoors, people are understanding Unless you're right up in somebody's face, uh, it, all of the dangerous virus uh, spreads out and is diffused into the atmosphere. And that, that they, this is why they recently have, they first brought down the requirement for outdoor masks, the CDC did before they brought it down even more a few days later. So I think those environments are probably among the safest. I think the more those become indoor events, the more they may create spreading. The other thing I will throw in here as a non-epidemiologist is there a number of models in the spring were predicting that we were gonna have a groovy summer. We were gonna have a good old time this summer. We're not gonna see spread of the disease. Uh, we're gonna see it drop way down and very few hotspots. That's exactly what's happening. Models are 100% on. The problem is those same models predict an uptick in the fall, primarily amongst the people who were not vaccinated. And, I, and that part is kind of an established model. The part that is perhaps speculative based on science is that we, those may be worse variants um, because the, the uh, uh, bug that is allowed to survive is going to be a tougher bug. And that remains to be seen. So let's put it this way. I wouldn't go throw all my masks away. I'd probably keep them in storage, as have I been doing. Oh, man. Uh, a couple more things for you, Dr. West, before we let you go here. We talked about depression. What about substance abuse, whether it comes to alcohol or drugs or, heck, even weight gain or something of that sort? Are we seeing that? be significant in a continued bad habit of sorts, those things along those lines of post-pandemic here? We are trying to figure this one out. I did a show the other day where we talked about the recent, some recent reporting on the student survey for kids of substance abuse. And during the COVID era, and that's one of those studies I'm always distrustful of because it wildly underreports uh, how much substance abuse there is and, and say, use of marijuana wildly underreports it. So you can only look at it as a trend line. And the trend was down, substantially down. And certainly amongst, uh, for alcohol, it was way down because for kids, alcohol use has already been in decline for a few years, much to my surprise. Um, but it's a social activity. And they really just couldn't do as many social activities. And a lot of those kids, I said, like to keep the mask on. They were quite scrupulous in trying to avoid uh, the vaccine. Those who got it in their friend group, and I have several friend groups that just spread throughout. They actually were doing a pretty good job. And it, someone penetrated that group and gave it to everyone. But they were trying to keep a bubble. So alcohol use... I noticed amongst kids talking about their partying habits greatly diminished. 
And, and what surprised me in the study and in my experience was marijuana use seemed to have declined also. So how that plays out for adults, we don't survey that as much. And it, in theory, there are two ways you could look at it. People sat at home and drank because they didn't have anything else to do, like eating. <laughs> or they didn't drink as much because they couldn't really go out to the bars. And I wonder which of those is going to win out. We'll keep our eyes on that. And if I see some good data on that, you and I'll revisit it. All right. Well, that's a good place to end our conversation this week. He's Dr. Wes Crenshaw. You can check him out online, dr-west.com. That's dr-west.com. Dr. West, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, Tyler. And don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs>